to the Deep Dive Podcast, produced by Grandview Christian Church's Discipleship Team. I'm Kristen Mudrak, the Discipleship Team Leader here at Grandview. We're in our first series of this podcast where we're talking about discipleship, what it means, how we do it, and everything in between. We hope that you listen to these conversations and then start your own with your canopy, your family, or maybe even your neighbors down the street. You're welcome to submit questions for our podcast guests to answer in a later episode. I'm pleased to welcome today to the podcast our three pastors at Grandview, Mackenzie Neely, Aaron Weimer, and Brandon Waite. This series, we are talking about discipleship. So I'm really grateful today to be joined by Brandon and Aaron and Mackenzie um, as they help us understand what discipleship is and what is discipleship, both in a biblical context and how we do it today. And where do we find these examples in scripture? Well, the best example, obviously, would be Jesus and the 12 disciples. I mean, that's the, the starting point that I think all of us would immediately consider. And it's interesting to watch as Jesus just has people who follow him. And as a part of following him, he teaches them and then he sends them out. So it's, it's a step-by-step process for him where he gathers them, sends them, gathers them back, sends them again. And it seems to be the pattern Jesus used for developing followers. After the early church gets started, we see those disciples that Jesus spent all that time with kind of moving out on their own and without him walking along the road with them the way that he had been for so long, you know, they're still carrying on the same tradition that he did. They just take the lessons that they learned from him and pass them on to others in the early church. And then we start to see the fruits of that trickle down as well as we uh, look into some of the later letters and that sort of thing. So it just seems like early on the church decided that how Jesus did discipleship uh, ministry, I think, is how they wanted to pattern their own moving forward. Mackenzie, anything you want to add to that? I mean, Aaron took the easy answer, so I think that's <laughs> pretty rude of him. That's why uh, I yeah. jumped in so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Paul is the other example, like uh, Brandon alluded to. You look at Paul and Timothy's example, and, and you look at how Paul went to churches and discipled them into saying, like, this is how we build the church. This is how we encourage one another. And this is how we help each other live the Christian life. Uh, encouraging one another and helping each other walk along this way. And as you're discipled, you disciple other people. And that is how we grow in the community of believers. The surprise for me about Paul, though, is how quickly he moves on from place to place. And uh, the letters, of course, give him a chance to reinforce what he has tried to teach them. But I wonder if we don't consider discipleship a longer process than Paul did. Or at least if we don't coddle people longer than he would have ever considered coddling them. He just had, he had a time limit. He said, I got a, I got a lot to do in a little amount of time. Paul, Paul was busy. Paul's a busy guy. Well, he's also run out of town a time or two. <laughs> I think for me, relationship is a big part of discipleship. Um, and I think we see that modeled in scripture as well as in what we do at Grandview and in our community. So how do we do this as a church, um, as individuals? What, what does this look like for us? I think the, the most common image of discipleship in community that people think of is like a small group setting or a Bible study of some kind. And that is great. I don't want to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's an excellent thing to come together and study and pray together, especially because, you know, when you're doing that with other people and not just by yourself, you become much more aware of your blind spots. 
you, you have other people who can provide perspectives that the Jesus in your head from really just looking like you. But the other piece of it that's maybe doesn't get as much press is the importance of serving together. It, there's just something that happens to people when they have the opportunity to put that into practice and reflect on it together. I mean, it's that is its own way of learning about how to live the Christian life. And in the process, you know, you're becoming more deeply ingrained in the community because you're spending time with people. And it's it's at the heart of the whole process we developed for our JC Serve initiative at Grandview where we wanted people to build relationships with one another while serving outside the church. And I think that's an attempt to combine service and discipleship in one package. Yeah. When, uh, whenever I was doing youth ministry, one thing we'd often say is like kind of the whole watch me do it, do it with me, teach somebody else to do it. And that was always a really good way of uh, helping kids gain confidence in doing something and then also helping them feel like they had the power and the kind of um, permission to be able to then, you know, lead someone else in doing it. Uh, And I think Aaron and Brandon hit on a great point is that service is the perfect opportunity to do that because not only are you building relationship with somebody, uh, but also you're creating those opportunities for that exact thing to happen. You're watching someone do something, you're gaining an opportunity to do it. And then you're also stepping into a position where it's very easy for you to then teach somebody else to do it, which is like one of the main things when we started city view, I told everybody, this is your opportunity to do exactly that. Like, this is every Sunday a mission field for that exact thing because you're going to be setting up, tearing down. You're going to find your own little niche. If you hold on to that niche, there's never an opportunity for someone else to learn how to do it. And I have seen that exact thing happen of someone say, okay, I can show you how to do this thing. And then a relationship is formed that quickly. Service is just an instant end to finding a relationship outlet. And it's, it's one of the great things that happened when we started the City View campus I think one of the things that really helps bring discipleship along is people realizing they're needed for something. And the people who had been kind of just at the margins, who stepped into leadership when we launched that campus, have uh, almost made the pandemic worth it. I mean, we launched <laughs> we launched the campus uh, at a time when we didn't know this was coming, of course. And I was talking with someone this morning about it, and he made the point that... Uh, if we had waited another month to start the campus, mm. it, would, it wouldn't have started at all. And so yeah. the fact that we started it when we did, with its challenges and everything, is still an incredible blessing because we saw people step into leadership and it was fantastic. Yeah, it's that exact thing. Like we, um, I learned from being at Buffalo for the time I was, because I started at Buffalo even before I had this position. Um, but I, wa- I learned from being a Buffalo and hearing both Brandon and Aaron talk so much about community and so much about, you know, the, the intergenerational, which is a thing you do not hear at churches these days. And I think people who are born and bred at Grandview don't understand how special that is. But hearing that and hearing community push so much allowed, you know, us as a team at City View to know, like, that's what we're starting from the ground up, knowing that's what we're going to say about City View. And so coming into City View and being able to start fresh (laughs) a month and a half before pandemic starts, like, that's what we said was, this is what we're about. 
you know, we're not going to be a place that doesn't pitch in and doesn't allow room for new people. I mean, I have people the first time they come, will put their chairs up because people invite them in to do that. And that makes for a very welcoming atmosphere and a very, um, I think, discipleship friendly atmosphere because it allows for people to say, um, this is like really fertile ground for community. Sometimes I ask people to bring in a pew when they come into Buffalo campus, set up their own pew. Yeah, we, we have that going for us, don't we? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit, or at least alluded to, the differences between COVID and non-COVID times. Um, do you have examples of how discipleship was a part of your life before COVID and during COVID? Because I'm imagining it's, it might be a little different. Oh, man. I don't even remember before COVID times. <laughs> One of the things that was most meaningful to us before COVID was um, participating in this dinner small group that we had, a potluck-style small group in the tree streets that we did for a few years. Uh, we formed good relationships there that were, in, you know, it's not a Bible study-focused group. It was a fellowship-focused group, but it led to deeper conversations, you know, at the dinner table or uh, when, when members of the group, you know, had something uh, particularly challenging going on in their life. They knew who they could go to because they had people there that they'd made connections with and we could pray together or we could, you know, the, the rest of the group would come together and, you know, do something kind for them to help them feel remembered and cared for. And that was a big part of our life. And I think maybe more importantly, a big part of our kids' lives because our kids would just run around. We had like, it's a, a small group in air quotes because there were like 25 people there with all the kids. And of course with COVID, that's not a possibility at all. There's so many things wrong with that picture in the COVID world. So with Canopy, which is the program we started during this, it was trying to, we were trying to rethink the kind of small group engagement, but with social distancing rules and, you know, uh, safeguards in place to help groups avoid some of the awkwardness that happens when you think you might all be on the same page about what COVID regulations look like, and then maybe you find out you don't. And so our, our family joined one, and it's pretty small. We've got just, uh, let's see, six other people in the group with us, uh, two couples, each with one child. And it's a very different environment. You know, it's not the same as what we had before, but in some ways it's even more life-giving because I, you know, I had other outlets for that before. You had plenty of other outlets. Haven't so much during COVID. So I think you know, obviously the digital ways to connect, but even just those creative, small, safer ways to connect are so crucial to the COVID time. Yeah, I would say, I, I mean, I would definitely say I took, I think I took discipleship for granted because I was like, I will get it when I need it and I'll figure out something. Um, just community in general, I think, or I'm an introvert. So I was like, I can't get enough time by myself. Boy, was I wrong. Um, and uh, and also, I was still trying to figure out, like, how to connect with staff and, like, what that looked like. And I think we've all just realized how precious that time with staff is. And um, if, if anybody listening is not aware how much staff appreciates staff at your church, that is a, like, Grammy staff loves each other and that is a precious thing. And uh, you do not find that at every church you've worked at and I've worked at. And that is really good quality thing. <laughs> and 
we have just figured out ways to be together safely. And when we can't, it's terrible. And we miss each other. And we're like complaining on Zoom calls. Like, when can we be together? And how are we going to do this? And we've become a canopy. And that and that has been uh, a deep gift because we've been able to encourage each other and disciple each other like a staff should, but doesn't always do. And I think... Uh, with Aaron's leadership and uh, helping each other when we're down and that that can be a canopy is an incredible thing because um, that is not always how staffs work or play. I mean, think about your workplace. It's just not always how a, a job is, you know, especially not in the midst of a pandemic when things are so bleak and hard. Um, and I think Aaron and I joke like, we got thrown in, you know, four months in into this. And he said, this was like our crucible. And we were like, listen, if we get through this, we're going to get through anything together. And it's true. Like we got so much tougher and so much closer. And we were like, we, we can do this together, you know? And that really was me looking to him at every turn of like, how can we do this together? What do I need to do? And it was very much uh, me as a very first time minister looking to my boss and my mentor, I was like, okay, what can we do? And that happened very naturally, very quickly, because it had to in the midst of a pandemic versus just my personality and who I am. I would have been much slower to do that in not a pandemic because I would have been nervous and like weird and, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, because of past experiences and whatever, but a pandemic hit and it was like, okay, it's now or never. And we have to get together on this. And, you know, our staff just came together like like we were a life raft. And I can see that connection with other people I've talked to about their canopies and their ways that they found a pod or whatever they want to call it. I think pod sounds scary, like a, like an alien spaceship or something. <laughs> but I've heard people use that term. Uh, bubble. You know, uh, they realized, oh, my goodness, uh, community discipleship, a group is something I really need because I realized I didn't think about it before this. Yeah. And we all get down. At, you know, it's there are times when we just have to have someone we can be down with, so to speak, who, who will understand that we're down. But that doesn't mean we're done. And during this pandemic, especially, we've seen that the, the the number of ministers who have uh, thrown up their hands and walked away is pretty high. And I'm very thankful that that hasn't happened on our staff because I know we've all thought it. <laughs> You're not the only ones who have thought it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee that. I, I guarantee that there's a lot of us listening to this that have thought about just throwing in the towel in this last year because it's been so hard. Um, whether it's for COVID or for another reason, this last year in particular has been really difficult. And I think for, for my family, we have found that our canopy is the place that we go for encouragement as well as help. And, yeah. and we've spent the last year finding creative ways to celebrate each other's birthdays. Six of our, we've got six other um, folks in our small group and two of them had COVID um, over my husband's birthday. And so the other four of them picked up cookout shakes and came over and sat in our backyard. And it was great. Prior to COVID, we probably would have just sent a text and said, hey, happy birthday. Right. Now it's a reason to get together. It's a reason right. to celebrate. Yeah. One of the other yeah. things that I think COVID has done to discipleship that is negative and positive is 
it's shown each other, we've shown each other more who we are and that is more challenging. Um, I, I guess I would compare it to a dating relationship where people have kind of dated a church for a long time and it's okay that we don't know what you're really thinking and how, and then once you really find out who that person is, you, def, you decide whether you're going to stick around or not. And I know uh, some people won't stick around, uh, but I presume, I pray that the the people who are with us through this will then emerge much stronger than we would have been otherwise, knowing yeah. the foibles and, you know, the things that you believe that I don't believe, but we're still together in Christ. Uh, that can be, I hope, a great springboard for moving forward. Yeah. Aaron and I have talked about this multiple times because I also think um, you know, one of the reasons we started the City View Campus was specifically to kind of ho- hopefully tap into some people um, in the downtown area that maybe had some church hurt and uh, maybe kind of wouldn't wouldn't necessarily go to Buffalo Campus just because of all the trappings of it looking like a normal church. And um, I personally have having known some of those people and are in sort of that age range where those people. Uh, a lot of those people live right now with that tra- church trauma and the ex evangelical kind of movement. Um, I think that this uh, moment is really pivotal because I think they will, those sort of folks will feel a lot of, Oh man, I need something after this, but I don't know what it is because all of the things that they were filling up their time with are gone. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't go, you know, and nothing wrong with these sort of things, but like I can't go to the bars or I can't go to the movies and I can't go to, uh, you know, any kind of hangouts, with my friends, all of these things that were creating a false sense of uh, true, deep soul community, um, which is what the church, when it's right and good, can provide. Um, all those things that you're talking about, like, when it's good and right discipleship brings. Um, And I have a feeling there's going to be some people that are like, okay, I don't know about all the rest of this, but I do see something here uh, that people are, are, are gathering around. Uh, And I'll be willing to give that a shot. At least I pray (laughs) Um, like Aaron said. And so I think there'll be, like you said, the, the winnowing or whatever, maybe. And then there'll be some people that say, I need something because whatever happened during that pandemic didn't work for me. You know? As pastors, what do you see as your role in the discipleship of our congregation? Where do you fit in in your job? I wonder if part of our role is to be like that incessant little voice that reminds you that it's important, I think, because one, one of the things that I think especially has come out during COVID is that you realize just what your tendencies really are when you kind of left to your own devices, you know, without somebody there to prod you both in an encouraging way and sometimes in a challenging way, we, Aaron uses the phrase drifters tend to drift downward, right? I mean, if you don't have somebody there kind of reminding you that, Hey, this isn't just a piece of furniture in your life that you get to shift around to accommodate everything else. This is the set piece, right? This is the thing that you have to organize everything else in your life around. That doesn't come naturally because culturally, um, relationally, everything, there are so many other voices that tell you that's 
that's not what church is. That's not what your faith is, but it's the main course, right? So that's what I think a lot of the time, that's the role of a pastor in the disciple process. And one of the challenges of that, and I think COVID has exposed this as well, is it's easy to think that church programs are discipleship themselves, and it's not. Um, we try to design church programs to encourage discipleship, but it's still something a person has to own. It's not something yeah. that can be programmed yeah. into his or her life. And um, so you know, we're always trying to remember that the things that we do because we just do them doesn't mean that they should continue. Um, but it's, it's, it's continually offering and hoping somebody picks up on it. Yeah. There's only like so much we can program and hope that that opens up for something else. Like, um, like Brandon and I were talking about once it's, you know, a little safer to go out to eat, uh, like hoping once a month to say, Hey, it's, uh, take a friend to lunch Sunday and just like, cause people have naturally done that at uh, city view. So we were just like, well, let's encourage that a little bit more. Um, I can encourage that, but whether or not that takes and whether or not you gravitate to the same people uh, and whether or not you're building into those relationships uh, and whether or not you're asking more than surface questions, right? Like then that, that like goes so much further ripples out to things I can't program or require of you. There's only three of us preaching pastors, right? Like there's three of us and there's many of you, right? As like congregants, like that's the point is that there's three of us. We are not your disciplers. Like that's every person's job to work with one another and to help live out the gospel that way. Like we come up every Sunday and we open the help open the word for each other so that all of us can do a better job of living out the life and teachings of Jesus so that we can bring the kingdom here. But like, if it's just up to the three of us, um, <laughs> it's not going to go very far. Um, Aaron always says like, all we can do is hope and um, help each other. But it all, all is like, if it's just up to the three of us to help grab you, that's not very many. That's why we're, we're trying to enable and equip um, the congregation. One of my favorite stories from Grandview is when a program turned to discipleship is Craig Hardy went to visit his mom at the nursing home once. And on the way out, on his way in, there were two youth from Grandview on their way out. And, he's, and they, they were carrying a guitar. And he said, hey, what are you guys doing here? And they said, oh, we were visiting your mom. And it was because they had done it as a part of a youth service project. And the two of them had decided, we don't need to wait for a project. We can just, and they were visiting her once a month. And their parents and Craig didn't know. They were just going and doing it. To that, uh, I, I would also say, like, maybe this is just like the administrator in me. But I, I believe also that part of the role of the pastor in discipleship is just removing barriers to getting started. Because honestly, a lot of people who take their faith seriously and want to grow, it's not, you don't have to light the fire of desire in them, right? They want to do it, but they don't know how to get started. They don't feel like they have adequate training. Uh, I think sometimes it's just the work of saying, here is a framework for you. Like the yes. side of it, really. You know, that getting a lot of people want to help at risk kids until there's a framework at Southside. Nobody's. Not, I'm not say right. Most people will not go and try to knock on the door of the school and say, how can I help? 
right? Right. It, it helps to provide somebody with a framework. And I think that's not just something that as pastors we can do, but also, you know, if people in the congregation, if you know of somebody who wants to get involved in some way, one of the most important things you can do is to help remove any barriers that you think might be standing between that person and taking the next step in their faith. I think that's super important because I, I, as a person that's worked at like a nonprofit, one of the things that I talked to Bob Hall um, from Family Promise about this a lot is that there is a felt need and there's a perceived need at things at places like that. And perceived need is something that you think you might think that they need looking at it. And uh, people would, you know, look at the nonprofit I worked at and say like, oh, they need more crowns like crayons. I say crowns. I know that's wrong. It's just the West Virginia thing. Uh, and they would bring us a bunch of crayons. And, well, that's nice. Uh, what I actually needed was food for my Wednesday night uh, youth group that I ran for the teenagers. But I couldn't, a- I, you know, couldn't ask for it for a bunch of, you know, nonprofit politics and all this kind of stuff. But that was the felt need that my teenagers were hungry, <laughs> you know? And so if you, if you work for a place or you're involved in a thing, helping people know, like, this is the actual thing I need, not the thing that looks like I is what I need. Um, and those are like Brandon said, that's like a well-intentioned thing that might get mixed up if you're not uh, involved in that thing. And I think that Brandon's correct. Like some of it's just, administrative things that we can be like hey nathan from jc serve can say these are the things that they need at this place that you can help with i think one of the things you guys brought up that was really um helpful is that it can't just be the three of you discipling and i think that's the same way that jesus put it together right? it wasn't just him well people to go and do and those people go and do and that's what this is all about you know, that's what this podcast is aimed to be for. That's what canopies are for. That's what serve is for. To get people in relationship, in community, teaching and sending and gathering. And then continuing that process. And I know I pulled words from a lot of what you guys said today. I, I think I want to end today by asking you, what does discipleship look like for you? Where are you most comfortable and where might you need to branch out in discipleship? Because um, you guys are human, just like the rest of us. Um, and so I kind of want to know where where this is hard for you, because it, it's hard for some of us. I think where it's hard for me is that um, when when the Friday night comes, and I'm ready to just be done with people. Um, and so it's easy for me to pull back um, and... It, it, because I'm around people all day, I, I don't naturally go, hey, I want to get together with a canopy. That's not just in my DNA. And so uh, just being a part of a canopy is, is wonderful and delightful, but it, it, t- it took some accountability for me. Um, it took some deciding that, yeah, it's more important than unplugging on Friday night. Um, and so that's it's as simple as that answer is, that's what it is for me. I definitely feel most fulfilled and feel like I'm making, uh, taking good steps forward when I'm doing things that are measurable, I guess, like things that I could cross off a list almost like if I go and, and when we would, 
uh, still get to go to Southside uh, back in the before times. You know, I get to go to uh, the school. I would meet with the kid, and it, like it felt good for me, and I felt like I got something out of it. I also believed that I was doing something for this kid. Like stuff, stuff like that has always been my go-to uh, way of growing as a disciple uh, or study. You know, I like I like to study. I like to learn new things. The thing I've always struggled with is in the spirituality of kind of the interior life of praying and meditation. I because you're not getting anything done. You know, you're not you're not crossing anything off a list. There's no measurable kind of outcome from it and and yet i know that almost every other area of my life suffers when i don't make that a key part of my life so one of the places where i think i need to grow is certainly that one um and i've, I've been taking steps toward that recently and what's been most helpful for me is experimenting with new ways of praying or experimenting with some just different different methods and resources than I haven't used before. I'm very much a creature of habit, and I think I, I sometimes I I'll just try to pray in the same way and and wonder why I still feel frustrated. <laughs> well, to follow up with what you were saying about prayer, one of my favorite sayings on prayer is from Teresa of Avila, who said, um, "Pray as you can, not as you can't," and that was freeing just to hear that. So. Mm. The the ways that you experiment with praying that start clicking, it really matters. And it's free to be able to let go of some of the ones that, like for me, giving a list to God of people I'm concerned about, um, you feel like God knows that list and doesn't mean to do it. It just, if that's the primary one, it feels I I can exercise and, Mm -hmm. and just repetition. Yeah, I like that this quote from the librarian at, at Emmanuel gave me this one when I, I can't remember what I was, I think I was struggling with studying. I'm not very good at studying all the time. And, and it's from Simone Weil, who's a, a theologian. And she said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically like paying attention, paying direct attention is prayer. And I really liked that. Cause she was like saying, if, if you're paying so much attention to something, giving your full like like full attention to a thing that's prayer because you're you're and i i take that to mean like when i'm um doing a thing unto god like that in a way is prayer because i'm i'm devoting my um my time and energy to like doing something if i'm doing that to god so i think the thing i'm maybe uh needing help or needing to spend time and energy on is i um recently kind of realized I'm a certain type of people pleaser not that I will uh kind of now tell and like oh how can I do this but like if I care about people I I want them to be happy and um so that can um backfire on me I think in discipleship in that if I care about certain people I care about their opinions and that can end up being okay, how, who do I listen to and how do I enact these things in my life? Um, and, and how do I know what is God's will and how do I know what is just, I'm thinking about too many, you know, who am I, whose approval am I seeking God or man's kind of thing. Right. Um, and so I think, um, I, I maybe need to, well, I know I need to, I'm, 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 you know, uh, 
spending more time kind of trying to seek God's voice and things and not just, uh, okay, how can I make this person happy and this person happy and this person happy, which is a difficult thing when you suddenly realize that's maybe how you've done things your whole life and you didn't even notice. But one thing I think I, I am good at is I, I never really thought I was a very good listener. And I have been told recently that I am by a lot of people. And I, I think it's because I do that thing. Right? But I just said, I, I pay attention well with my whole person. I try to, even though I talk a lot. I found that when people come to me to talk about a thing or need kind of direction, I'm maybe because I don't want to be what I I'm afraid of becoming, uh, I take time to listen to what they have to say and try to help them give advice, but also not overstep and not to say like, Hey, this is what I think you should do. But even just present them with options of like, here are some things. And we can also talk about this being an option and, um, trying to help them see through different ways to walk around things. I found I really enjoy that. That's something I enjoy doing is, is talking through things with people, um, because I have had some really good mentors that are able to do that with me. And I see now that as the a fruit of their labor as like, hey, you know, you've been helped by some really cool people. And now that's something I can do. So um, discipleship trickle down. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. I am a lot like you, Mackenzie, in that um, I like to please people. Um, and 18 to 22 year olds are the people you're trying to please. That doesn't always work out very well. <laughs> not great. Not a great thing. Yeah. And I love my students. I love what I get to do. But there are days where I find myself teaching something that I know they're not going to care about. And as someone who teaches in Christian higher education, I teach what I teach because of who I am and who I serve. And that frames what I do and how I do it, as well as the people that I serve. Um, and I want them, just like discipleship, I want them to be able to go and do for someone else what I am doing for them. Um, and that doesn't always work. As I think all of you have alluded to today, it's not something we can control. Um, when we disciple other people or when we're involved in um, service activities, you know, sometimes they don't go the way we think they're going to. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. That doesn't mean we stop getting together with people, um, whether it's virtually or in person, safely. That doesn't mean we stop trying to teach and trying to lead and trying to learn. Um, I, I think for me, discipleship is this lifelong process. And that's part of why I love being a part of the discipleship team, because we get to from kid to death, this spectrum of becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, and I am so grateful to the three of you for the way that you lead this congregation um, and the way that you have modeled the discipleship for us and given us the opportunity um, to be a part of activities that foster discipleship. Um, and I know I speak for the rest of the congregation when I say thank you for what you've done during this pandemic as well as before and what we know you're going to continue doing after. I think I'd like to end today by asking what's one thing that you would tell someone who wants to get involved in discipleship? What's the first thing they should do? The first thing I would recommend to people is just to show up. The thing is, 
if you have no idea how to get started, just coming to something at the church, making worship a regular habit, coming to a, a small group, showing up somewhere so that you can start being in relationship with people is so important. And moreover, it is more important to other people than you may realize. Uh, I, one of the things that I share in the Welcome to Grandview class is that, you know, when I was in seminary, I was going through a particularly difficult time in terms of struggling with my faith uh, as a result of some of the stuff we were talking about. It's not uncommon. A lot of people go through it, but I just, I was having a hard time. And throughout that time, Kristen, my wife was always encouraging me that we, you know, we have to go to church still. Like, even if you aren't feeling it, you go, you go to church, we go to worship. And I'm so thankful that she did that because, you know, going there, I see, I got to see people who knew so much more than me, people who had forgotten more than I would ever learn about scripture, including the stuff that I was struggling with right then. Um, I saw people who had been through very difficult circumstances. Um, I saw people who had been just uh, hurt or who struggled, and yet they came and made church a priority. And that did more for me without them realizing it than, than almost anything else during that time. So show up. Uh, it'll, it'll, you'll learn more. It's a good first step, but also you may be doing something to disciple others without even realizing it. Yeah. I would say there's a place for you. Like there's something for you. If you have tried before and you feel like you got burned or you're nervous, there's still something for you. Like Aaron said, when City View opened up, there were people that hadn't found their spot yet and were like, we were nervous. Like we were like, oh, are they going to, are they going to feel that way here? Or are they not going to like know what to do? And like, they're thriving at City View and they were just hadn't found their spot yet. And they have a spot now. And um, there is a spot for you. There is a place for you. Uh, you're wanted and you're needed. Like Brandon said, there is a space where you're needed, where your voice is needed where your presence is needed. There's someone that needs you and there's a person that you need. And so like, that's how the kingdom grows. That's how the discipleship system works is that there's a person that you need to help you. And then there's someone that will need you to help them. And so without you, the kingdom building process isn't complete and we need you to show up. And so come to worship try uh try try why not try a canopy uh you know and it can be as simple as the first thing is just watching two for two this week you're participating you're there um and that's very low risk and uh but you have to show up the first thing and it is scary and it is vulnerable but hey that's the kingdom and that is the gospel uh we show up first my my answer is a lot like those two. Um, you said low risk. I I think uh, for watching two for two. And, and yeah, well, that low, is low risk. <laughs> um, but I think that that word risk is the real is the real thing. Uh, to grow, you have to step into spaces that are scary for you, spaces that don't naturally fit for you. And it's one of one of the other reasons we started the City View campus is it was a huge risk for us as a church. And I appreciate that we have eldership and I appreciate that we have a congregation that was willing to take that risk. And I think uh, we all will grow from that process. 
because it was so comfortable to just be together at what is now the Buffalo campus and to keep doing the same thing. But it began to feel like we were playing it so safe that we weren't going to grow. Yeah. And I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about as disciples. Yeah. That also was my first ever sermon, Tower of Babel and Risk. <laughs> That's all I can remember about it now because it feels uh, like it was seven years ago. I but... remember you being very upset <laughs> that you had to preach on the Tower of Babel. That feels really hard for my first <laughs> sermon, but it was cool. I remember I had a little chart and it was like <laughs> growth is where the risk lives. So connections. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon, Aaron, Mackenzie, thank you so, so much for joining me um, on our first dive podcast. Um, I have so enjoyed getting to talk with you and um, I look forward to seeing um, what questions people have listening to this um, are going to give us. And um, hopefully we can come back together and talk about some of those um, on a later podcast. Um, so thank you for those of you listening um, to Deep Dive. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, Kristen.